You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to My Victory Church. We are one church, five physical locations, plus an online campus that, as of last week, is 23 different nations uh, that watch us on a weekly basis. Isn't that cool? So wherever you're watching from, welcome to all of you. We are live, and so if you would let us know, let me know where you're watching from. I'd love to give a shout out to you wherever you're watching from. Welcome Lethbridge, welcome Tabor, welcome Lloyd Minster, welcome Okotoks, welcome Claire's home. All gathering today, which is so, so good. Anthony's here, Deborah's here from Delta BC. Uh, Carson's on there, Faith is on there. Good to see you guys. Pastor Phil is on YouTube. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Hope all, from BC, she says, woo, woo, online campus. Gotcha. Uh, George is also from Valmont. Chuck is watching from Lethbridge. Uh, we've got from our couches, Glenn is watching from there, that's great. Lori's watching from Coaldale. Uh, Peggy's watching from Sylvan Lake. Welcome to all of you guys, and welcome to part one of a brand new series we're calling The Kingdom Based on the Kingdom of God. And why are we talking about the Kingdom of God? Because I feel, and I want you to listen with this, in this series with more than just your physical ears, but listen with your spiritual ears as well, because this is, this is, I think, this is part of the shift that is happening, is gonna be happening with the church in, in a major way. And I cannot shake this, this whole idea of pressing in and getting understanding of the kingdom of God, because I feel in this season, it may be more important than ever to have an understanding of the kingdom of God. Because there are so many conflicting voices out there that are bringing confusion, uncertainty, and fear. Can we relate? If you can't watch the news for five minutes, you'll get what I mean. But so many conflicting voices, and, and not just conflicting voices in the news or on Facebook or in social media, but conflicting voices within the church and within Christians about, and, and within our church, let's just be honest, about, you know, why are we, you know, not fighting the government more? Why are we following the rules? And why are we, how come more people aren't more concerned about, COVID? there's COVID, all these things that we see in this season, just conflicting voices and confusion and uncertainty about what is right, what is not right. Anybody ever have any that conflict going on just inside yourself, if you want to be honest? Absolutely. What's true? What's not? And so in a season of uncertainty and conflict like this, what needs to happen is we need a North Star. And the North Star is, is, has been there. And, and one of the things that makes the North Star the the North Star is that it is unmovable. It is steady, it is unchanging, it doesn't move. So if someone gets lost, the first thing you do is you look up, for centuries this has happened, they look up and they see where the North Star is and it kind of re-anchors them. Well, the kingdom of God is that North Star. It's that thing that in the midst of confusion, in the midst of lostness, it is the anchor that we can look up to and say, okay, there, let's now recenter. That's why I think this series is so important in this time for all of us to get on the same page 
and, and realize we need, in this season, we need certainty, we need confidence, we need to know the direction in which to walk to next. Yes? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Faith is saying yes. Peggy's yes. Jaden, hands up. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is an important season. Now, this message today is going to set a foundation for this series. And if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to take, take notes, really encourage you to do that. We're going to set the foundation. And really, this foundation is going to be the launch pad for everything else that's coming into this series. But we need to get an understanding of the word kingdom. And the reason why we need and what the kingdom of God is, because it is so misunderstood. And actually, just in preparing for this series, um, digging into it for, for the last number of months into the kingdom of God, it has really helped me understand where I have misunderstood the kingdom of God, and we'll get through some of that. But the kingdom of God is a big deal because it appears 162 times in the New Testament. 162 times. So you think it's important if it's mentioned 162 times. In fact, Matthew 4, 23, Jesus, Jesus said this, it says of him that he came preaching the good news of the kingdom. That's when announcing Jesus as the Savior, it's announced him as coming, preaching the good news of the kingdom. That was his mission. And as we will see, he passed that responsibility on the earth to us. And when you understand the kingdom, you understand, you will understand Jesus. When you misunderstand the kingdom, misinterpret the kingdom, it's easy to misunderstand and misinterpret Jesus. So we need to understand the kingdom. So let's dive right in. Uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, fascinating you know, passage, this conversation that the disciples are having with Jesus. This is the conversation. It, Luke 11 says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John, referring to John the Baptist, just as John taught his disciples. Okay, so John the Baptist, of course, he's the one that was out in, in the wilderness preaching, baptizing people. In fact, he even baptized Jesus, and he had a following going on. And when Jesus showed up on his his shores one day he says man he says behold the lamb of god he says i'm not even wor you know worthy to uh, you know touch his sandals or untie his sandals i mean this is and behold the messiah basically he announced and baptized jesus and dove comes down all the rest of it now his disciples when they followed jesus they said well john taught his followers how to pray and they heard jesus praying can you imagine overhearing jesus pray like talk about a connection there'd be a connection don't you think i mean and I think as the disciples listening in going, we need some of that. You like teach us some of that. So they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And in essence, how Jesus responds to them is, is, a, is a lesson not just for them, but for us as well. That we can learn how to pray as well. And you'd think, you'd think that how Jesus prayed, you'd think, well, it would be, you know, eloquent words, it'd be long, and it'd be a deep conversation, but really his prayer is, uh, if you went to Catholic school, you quoted it pretty much every single day, his prayer is short, short, but packed full of, of goodness. Look at how he started this prayer. He says, this, he's taught them, this is teaching them how to pray. When you pray, say, 
Okay. When you pray, say, I just want to pause on that for a second because I think just having unpacked this a little bit more, I think that we need to say this, not just ritually, but we need to understand and, and pray this, the, the Lord's Prayer, more. More than just ritual, more than just the way to start a day at school, more than just, you know, tradition. Like, this is, there's power here, because Jesus said, when you pray, say. Then he said this, Father, addressing God the Father, hallowed be your name, which is Bible speak for start with praise. Basically, we're elevating you above, we're reminded, or reminding ourselves and speaking out loud that you're above all of our circumstances. Hallowed be your name. Your, your, your name, you're more powerful than, than all. Hallowed be your name. Then he says this, your kingdom come. When you pray, say, God, you are great. Your kingdom come. Now, this is where we're, this is as far as I'm going to get in the prayer, because this is where all of a sudden this, these three words stuck with me. And I was like, okay, this is, this is huge, because these three words, when you meditate on these and think on these, these kind of, for me anyway, debunked a lot of my preconceived ideas about the kingdom. Because he says, your kingdom come saying that you should incorporate this into your daily prayers. When you pray, say, your kingdom come in my life, in my family, in my church, at my work, in my province, in my nation, your kingdom come. Now, launching into what that means in a big way, in particular, the word kingdom. So let's define what is a kingdom. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent, producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desires and nature for his citizens. Now that's a mouthful, but let me break it down. I'm going to break this down simply for you. The kingdom... A kingdom is different, by the way, than a democracy, which is part of the reason why I think all of us who have grown up in democracies haven't fully grasped the power of the kingdom of God and not understanding the kingdom of God, like I said, and fully grasping what the kingdom of God is like doesn't allow us to interpret Jesus properly. So my hope through this series and setting the foundation for this series is if we can get an understanding of the kingdom, it is going to bring another level of relationship with Jesus and understanding of who he is, and it is going to bring a level of freedom and confidence an identity, self-identity of who you are as, as part of the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is big, but we have to understand the kingdom. Kingdom is a governing influence. Okay, so let's break this down, and I'm going to draw for you. Is that scary? I know all my staff are like, oh, no. I apologize ahead of time. I should have been a doctor by my writing. Just I would have qualified just in, at least that's what my teachers told me. Always, But so I will do my best. So let's talk about the, the kingdom of, of what a kingdom is. Okay, and understanding. Now breaking it down, a kingdom is, it has 
a king. Right? It's ruled by a king. That makes sense. Kingdom just means dominion of the king. So, but then it's the governing influence. So a kingdom has to have a government. Okay, now when we break down what government means, government simply means the laws and ways of doing things that is based on the king. So what is different than, than, uh, you know, than a democracy is that we can change prime ministers, presidents, all the rest of this in a democracy, but the, the, for the most part, that government, those laws, those things have been pre-established regardless of who this is. This is, so, this is totally different in a kingdom. And you can see this in, in the nation of Israel, is that when, when you know, Israel had a good king, let's, you know, David, right, the nation had different laws, different ways of doing things, and that government was, was set up and established by the king. When Solomon took over, he changed the, the way things were being done. Things changed again. And after you know, Solomon, you see all the different sons, and when there was a good king, they changed the laws. That's why from one king to the next, it depended on which God they worshipped, which laws they abided by. Everything changed because in a kingdom, the culture, the laws, the, the government, the way of doing things are completely based on the king, who the king is, okay? We, now that's important for us to understand. A kingdom also needs to have a territory. Okay, a kingdom has to have something that reigns over. We'll get to that. A kingdom, also according to our definition, needs to have citizens. Without citizens and a territory, you're not a king. Other than maybe of your household. I don't know. But I mean, you, you need to have citizens and a territory. So, Let's, in understanding this, these, this seems simple enough, but in understanding this, this helps us set the foundation for getting an understanding of who Jesus is, what he did, what his mission was, because he came proclaiming, remember Matthew 4, 23, he came proclaiming the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came, he says, when you pray, say, your kingdom, Father, your kingdom, come. Okay, so let's establish now what the kingdom of God is. Okay, and this is, this is so, so important, so simple it seems, seemingly simple. You're not going to get wild revelation today, but this is going to get us a foundation that launches everything else. The king, by the way, is Jesus. Okay, he came to establish a kingdom. The reason I say that is because first, Paul said this in 1 Timothy 1 verse 17, it says this, Now to the King Eternal, capital K, the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And what he's saying there is that Jesus is King. Paul proclaimed it before Kanye did. Just saying. Okay, half of you got that reference, but anyway, Jesus, King Jesus. No king but Jesus. This is important for us to understand. That means when Jesus is king, 
Jesus is, when he came, he came proclaiming his kingdom. That means that that kingdom, his kingdom, he became king. That means that this changed. Because watch, Isaiah in prophesying Jesus's birth, we quote this every Christmas, and, we, and you'll know that many of you will know this, but look at this. Isaiah said this, Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, in ancient languages, in Aramaic, in, in Greek, in Hebrew, Ancient languages, whenever they would repeat something in, in a phrase or in a sentence, they would repeat. That would, the number of repeats would basically, and repeating would just emphasize that this is more important. This is an emphasize of something very, very important. So twice in these two verses, Isaiah the prophet begins to emphasize, and the government will be on his shoulders, and the greatness of his government there will be and peace, there will be no end. In other words, King Jesus is bringing a new set of laws and way of doing things. Which, that should have been a standing ovation, and I'll tell you why. Not that I'm trying, just, just tell you why. Because pre-Jesus, pre-Jesus, there was a different way to access God. Pre-Jesus, there was religion that was necessary to access God. Pre-Jesus, there was laws, Moses' laws, set up by God as God and all the rest of it. When Jesus came and Paul proclaimed and said he became king, Jesus brought with him a new set of rules, a new set of laws, a new culture, a new way of doing things. Okay, and in case you don't get that, this is where I think we need to understand this church. Come on, this is, this is, the, this is so huge. I'm going to say something that is going to make your hair stand up on the back of your neck, but I need you to understand something. We need to become a church that is not Bible-centered, but is Jesus-centered. For some of you, that's like, that's like what did he just say? All of the Bible is not created equal. Whoa. Because when Jesus became king, everything changed. The purpose of the Old Testament and the law is to point to the king. It's not to establish and to become the law that the king fits into. That's democracy. When King Jesus came, this changed. We'll set all this up. You can email me, text me. Ralph at myvictory.ca. (laughs) 
But whenever we, whenever we read the word kingdom of God, whenever we, the scriptures that we go through this kingdom, I want you to interpret it as Jesus's government and his way of doing things. Okay, Jesus's government and his way of doing things. So when he says your kingdom come, he's saying your, Jesus's government and way of doing things come. When you pray, say your government your way of doing things come. All right. And you know, you know why I'm saying everything changed? Because Jesus started his first message that he preached in Matthew. Do you remember him saying, there's an entire message in there. He says, you've heard it said. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews who had heard. What did they, had they heard? They had heard Moses' laws over and over. They had heard all this stuff. You've heard it said but I say. You heard it said, but I say. This is why they got so upset, because Jesus seemed to be saying, wait a second, you're more powerful than Moses? Yep. You're more powerful than the law? Yep. You're more powerful than the Bible, the, the, the Torah? Yep. You've heard it said, but I say. We'll get to some of that. A kingdom also needs a territory. And here's where, here's where some of my biggest misunderstandings of the kingdom has come. Because this is what I always pictured. I always pictured kingdom talking about the kingdom of heaven. That whenever the Bible talks about the kingdom, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And I pictured that the territory, that this is, this is kind of the devil's territory here. This is kind of the world, and this is the territory, all the rest of it. And, and we're just, we can't wait. Because when we got saved, we're like, I can't wait to be saved from this to get to that. I can't, be wait, I can't wait to get out of this government, this, this kingdom, this way of doing things to get to that. And we sing songs, and we write songs, and we worship, and all the rest of it. And you're saying, and we're like, one day, you know, one day we're going to get there. And we're going to get to his kingdom. And I always picture whenever, you know, Jesus talked about the kingdom, I always picture that. That he was talking about there heaven one day we'll get to heaven one day we'll be free of all this one day one day one day except for John said this in the book of Revelation he said the seventh angel sounded the trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever when did that happen? You know when that happened? Jesus announced it. When did that kingdom come? Is this sometime way in the future and one day all of a sudden he's going to establish his kingdom? Uh-uh. Jesus proclaimed it in Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 4. He says, I've come, I've come to proclaim the kingdom of God. I have come to proclaim. I have come to, and, and he said, the kingdom is now here. From the moment that Jesus said these words and launched his ministry, the rules changed. And Jesus began to establish his thing. And his territory is not just there. One day we'll get there. His territory is here. That's good news. The church, our responsibility, the church is God's plan to expand his territory. Jesus is a king with a kingdom. And understanding that the church is God's plan to expand his territory, that brings purpose for us too. Advancing his 
kingdom, which is his laws and his government, his way of doing things, is part of our purpose. Two. Because, let's define who the citizens are. Paul said this to, to the church in Philippi. He says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. In other words, that's where his throne is. But we are citizens because and belonging to this territory here. Our citizens, and we eagerly are waiting for him to return as our savior. Now citizens of the kingdom are governed by heaven while living on earth. Being a citizen of heaven means that you represent another king and his kingdom. You represent, yes, you're citizens of Canada. Yeah, you might be citizens of another nation, all the rest of it, but first and primary, you're a citizen of heaven. You represent another king and his kingdom, which means we're not supposed to be normal. <laughs> we're supposed to be exceptional. Amen? Not strange like some say, but exceptional. Look at, Paul said this in Philippians 1, verse 27. He said, above all. In other words, he puts a priority on it. Above all. Above all. You must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news. So now, so this is the, just that part of the verse is where some would say, well, see, we don't belong to the government of Alberta, the government of Canada. We, above all, we're citizens of heaven, and they can't restrict the rules on us, and they can't da 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 da, and they can't, and all the rest of it. Which Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, who were under the government of Rome, and all the Christians would have stand up and said, "Amen." We don't belong to Caesar at all. We don't. We don't listen to Caesar. Which he goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." He says, "The kingdom conducting yourself worthy of a manner." In, in a manner worthy of the good news of who? Of our king, Jesus. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together and fighting the government and picketing and all that. No, no, he says, I know that you're standing together with one spirit. I'm glad he didn't say one mind. doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, with one spirit, with one purpose, to stand up for our rights. Nope. Fighting together for what? Fighting together for what? The faith, which is the good news, which is the good news that this has changed. Above all, speaks to priorities. We must prioritize our citizenship of heaven first before our loyalties on earth. Standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith. Now listen, this is the thing. Like the thing that's going to represent the king is our oneness. Again, isn't that what Jesus said? Father, make them one. Why? So that the world will know that I've established a new government, a new way of doing things. We learned in the last series... He says, a new command I give you, love one another. He didn't even say, he said, he didn't even say honor me as king. He says, love one another because that's going to represent. 
You see how his law changes? His law is, does things that the most important thing, according to living as citizens of heaven, is to strengthen one another. All right, we'll launch off of that next week and get more clarity on this and understanding what this means now. But today's takeaway is this. The kingdom of God is God's government and way of doing things. The kingdom of God is God's government and way of doing things. Everything has changed. That's what I want you to hear today. Everything has changed. God's way of doing things, Jesus' way of doing things is different. You've heard it said, but I say. Jesus' way of doing things is different. When we stand together with one spirit, with one purpose, fighting together for the good news, that's when we represent his way of doing things. That's his way of doing things. Well, what would happen if the world who questioned what we believe would so admire how we treat one another and how we treat them that they want the same good news? That's what Paul was saying. That's what Jesus was saying. Just imagine if we got so good at treating one another that people who question what we believe couldn't question how we treat one another, how we treat them. That's how we represent our king. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is so relevant and help us, Holy Spirit, in this season to understand your kingdom, you, your way of doing things more. And I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, that you would just quicken in our hearts revelation what's of you and what's of me may be forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. This series could be any more fitting than it is right now. Uh, and I love what Pastor Kelly said is that when Jesus showed up, everything changed. That wasn't just any, everything in culture. That was everything to do with us as well. I don't know if you're watching for the first time, you're at home, you're like, I'm going to check this thing out. Maybe you've been coming for quite some time right now and you haven't fully understood what that uh, transition with Jesus happened. What it did is it basically opened up an opportunity for new life. And it says in scripture that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that God sent his son to die for you, for me, then you can be saved and have a new relationship with him. And this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. So if you're ready and willing, say, today is, today is a turnaround point for my life. I want you to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I confess and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life, be the Lord of my life, my Savior and my friend. I thank you that my past is past and I can begin a new life with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, that is the most powerful prayer you'll ever say in your life. Throw it in the chat. 
say, I said that prayer for the first time, click on the link that we're providing for you guys. We want to walk through this faith journey with you. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv. 